Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend who commands all things delicious, like the true artist she is. She is the mixtress DC, Gina. Uh, thanks, Louise. You like that? I do like that. I'm terrified of our, of our episode. Why? Because it's delicious. It is delicious. And I and I have no self-control. <laughs> All right. So, Gina, through your many, many travels, have you ever been to Evanston, Illinois? No. Well, if you were there during its founding years, I don't think it would be your cup of tea, so to speak, to be honest. Here's why. I think today would change your, your opinion, but back then you may have you may think differently. It's because Evanston, Illinois, was a dry town. Yeah, not for me. And it was also <clears throat> known as a seat of prohibition and the established headquarters for the Tempest Movement. Really? Tempest Movement. Yes, yes. And it was um, so. It was the home of. I don't think we'd be friends with her. Sorry, Frances. Frances Willard. Um, she's the first dean of women's college at Northwestern University. That's a pretty big accomplishment. But she was also the founding member of the Women's Christian Temperance Movement. Those are the people that met in uh, D.C. and pushed that through. Yeah. So yeah. Um, obviously the movement was very strong um, there um, in that region. And um, even after Prohibition ended, which, you know, in 1933, um, the residents voted to remain a dry town. It was it, they were strong. They kept their and they kept that status for almost another 40 years. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. because nobody, nobody lived there anymore, and that's I, the reason why? I, they... I think not, because you know it's just barely a, you know, a, a, what is it, a hop, skip, and a jump from just north of Chicago. 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 But you know, it. Good thing again. Nineteen seventy-two was a very good year. Like your your birth year. It is the my birth end year. of being dry. But it was also when they ended their dry season. So it's a good dry thing. spell. Yeah, their dry spell, if you will. You're right. <laughs> So I have to say um, that it, it fortunately has definitely changed and we're all better for it. And um, today's designated drinker is, uh, is proof of that because he is a master of delicious spirits, all things liquid like you. And he's, he comes from this one star and he's set up shop in this one's dry town. Um, and which probably, in my opinion, is a good thing. He probably causes poor old Francis to turn over her inner grave a couple of times, I think. So please, <laughs> let's just welcome the founder and distiller of Few Spirits, Paul Haletko. Did I get close, Paul? Good enough. And hello, ladies. Thanks for having me on. Honored to be here. And I do. I will say, I think you would have actually been friends with Miss Willard. Oh, you think we would? Yeah, she was an amazing woman. Like she was really oh. a strong and fierce advocate for women's rights and women being educated and the vote. True, true, true. Yes. Like she was just an incredible woman. I actually think you'd be. Very, I think you would have liked her. Well, then I will stay stand corrected. So then I would have just kept my um, flask in my hip. There exactly. you go. And that'd have been it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, Paul, you have a really wonderful, like, colorful background, and I really want to start off with um, your family tradition and, and how your family history led you into the world of distilling. Well, I mean, I think, you, you know, I think I started off like a lot of people that, 
family is the most important part. Like it's, it's the one thing that really matters. And ideally your family is with you your whole life. Um, and my family, you know, we all have our own different families, of course, but my family is a little bit different because prior to World War II, my grandfather's family owned a major brewery in what's now the Czech Republic. Uh, back then it was Czechoslovakia, of course. Uh, and in 1939, the Nazis invaded and they confiscated the brewery from the family and murdered everybody in the camps. Wow. All of his brothers and sisters, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, everybody got murdered uh, in the camps. Uh, and although my grandpa survived, uh, obviously I wouldn't be here, uh, he spent the rest of his life trying to get the brewery back, but never did. And when he did pass, it kind of struck me that this you know, family history or family legacy, whatever you want to call it, uh, is gone forever unless I do something about it. And I just, I couldn't let that happen. I had to see if I could do something to rebuild this family legacy, but ideally do it in a way that is new and positive and creative and is the kind of thing that's not just raising a fist to the sky and screaming, why me, this is unfair, uh, you know, I'm a Midwesterner. Like, oh, okay, that stinks. Uh, what are you going to do about it? Um, so <laughs> we're trying to you know, trying to do something about it and try to do it in a way that's positive. And you know, hopefully someday, you know, he'll be able to look up and be proud of me or what I've been able to do to try to help rebuild this family history and legacy that you know was his when he was a kid. Yeah, that's actually been a. a, yeah, it's a kind of- a common thread of what we've been talking about recently about um, families following uh, their family into the into the business and yeah. being a part of something. Yeah, we were talking about um, how like you know we need to like bring the family business needs to like remain and like teaching our young kids you know about distillation and winemaking and all the things because like it shouldn't be something that you sell off your business. It should be like a, something that like becomes generational. Legacy. A legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it still can. I mean, again, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, however you want your business to be. It's all, that's up to you. But again, I think the key is, you know, not have it be stolen by the Nazis. That's uh, <laughs> that's not okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100%. You nailed it. <laughs> I'm going to put that on the top of my, my daily things. Do not let the Nazis steal shit from you. Got yeah. it. <laughs> it's really low burden. It's a low, low burden. You know, um, it's funny. It, they say you should set some goals that are attainable. Right. <laughs> it's like the, you know, put, put have coffee on your to-do list every day. Get it done. Well, then you at least can check something. You know, you're like, done. I've accomplished it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, you describe yourself a maker of new things. We explain. Yeah, I like I like to make and create stuff is kind of what I like to do. Um, you know, that's what gets me excited, gets me up in the morning, gets me, you know, motivated to do stuff. I, I don't really do well pushing paper. Um, I have a real uh, psychological disability in that I just cannot stand any sort of authority. <laughs> uh, just drives me up the wall. Um, you know, I've got... I'm a very deeply flawed person, but that's one of my deeper flaws is you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. You're Damn not my it. dad. <laughs> and of course, now that I'm a dad, I hear this crap from my kids. I'm like, I am your dad, dad. I do get to tell you what to do. Because I said so. I said so. Don't ask me questions. <laughs> so is that what led you, is that what drew you into music then? Yeah. I mean, it's the, uh, you know, 
fuck you, I won't do what you told me kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I know, sorry for cursing. Don't be. This nah. is a, You're hanging out with the right chicks for that. <laughs> um, I, I like to make. I like to create it. What gets... It's what gets me excited. See, I, mean, I was a pro guitar player for a while. Uh, I like to make food. I'm a competent at best uh, home chef, but I love to cook. Uh, I, I wish I was a lot better at it than I am, but I'm, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> I wish I was better. Uh, but you know, it's I like to make, and that's what gets me excited. And kind of combining that drive to make and create with this family history once my grandpa died – like I, I want to make something. I like to make alcohol. I made beer at home for 20 years, but you know I'm okay at making beer. And I just kind of got lucky that I don't really like making wine. I don't have a problem with it. It's just I, I don't. I'm not a winemaker, but what I am is a whiskey maker, and I, I, I think I'm pretty good at it. And the world seems to agree with me that I'm pretty good at it. So. Uh, that's where we sit. And <laughs> it's that same thing. Like, you know, it's trying to put liquid art in a bottle every day the same way, uh, you know, a painter puts, you know, painted art on a canvas or a musician will put, you know, musical art into the world, whether it's on stage or going into a record or, you know, a talented writer will put their art into the written word on the page. I don't know if there's real fundamental difference between any of these various art forms other than I suck at most of them, but I'm pretty good at making whiskey. I think one thing that's really interesting, the common thread between all of this is just having the passion behind the thing, right? Whether it, like, to your point, whether it be music or visual art or, I don't know, podcasting um, or making um Whiskey, it's that passion behind, um, behind that, behind the thing. And I just did air quotes that you're making. Paul, I don't know what any of you guys are talking about. Let's start drinking. Yeah. yeah. Let, let there be <laughs> yes. alcohol. Exactly. And I'm like, I said. don't even give a shit about making new things. We're going to try this fucking whiskey or what? <laughs> like, what the fuck? You're this like, it's like, so great. You're creating new stuff. Paul's like, I create new stuff. I'm like, the bottle is just like, open like, the fucking taste? bottle. She's like, can we taste the new stuff? Let's do it. Did you, do you guys see that science report that just came out? Which one? What? The, the scientist just came out with a study that says whiskey does not drink itself. That is true. That is very true. You are one. That study is right. And so are you. It's it's science. So I think science says we should drink the whiskey. Perfect. Should we start? So, Paul, we have the motor oil and the um, straight bourbon whiskey. Which one should we go with first? Uh, I would do the straight bourbon. All right. Straight bourbon is probably the easiest. That's our biggest seller. The motor oil is a really fun release. But uh, I start with the whiskey, start with the core of the bourbon. Well, that looks like it's the bottled and bond bourbon. It is. It's a hundred. I'm trying not to like go crazy. Mm. That smells good. It's so good. All right. All right. Remind me how and me and list all our listeners how right. how should we taste it first? Jim? First of all, we don't have the proper glasses, so yeah, this but- is, we're we're not doing it justice. Now. I personally believe that anything that is glass or holds liquid is okay to try booze in. But, um, you know, you want to nose the spirit. Now you have something that's overproof, uh, which is overproof. Sorry, it's 100 proof. Um, So you have to be careful. So what I like to do is give it a nice big, you know, smell. So I'm preparing my palate and then I give it a sip and then just either spit it out or blow it out. So just give it a little taste. 
blow it out. You're not gonna be able to taste anything because all you're tasting is alcohol. Because just gave like a nice little shock to your your um, sensory. And now you can go back and taste it. And Paul, if I said anything wrong, please correct me. Oh, absolutely. I usually uh, I, I say I probably phrase it a little bit differently, but I like to take that smallest sip just to get your palate used to the high proof. And then on your second sip, that's when you actually get to taste it. So good, right? Yeah, there's... So I'm the ignorant palate here, but I have got a lot of caramel. I, yeah, chocolate. I have definitely some nice... I have spice on the nose, but I, I can't identify what it is, Gina. Vanilla. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Definitely the barrel. Vanilla. Yeah. Yeah, it's vanilla. It smells so good. Mm. It's definitely... Vanilla, cinnamon... You getting any of the cinnamon? Toasted. Yes, that's what I get. I get that's and so I guess my ignorant palate called it caramel, but really it's the vanilla. Oh, there's caramel in there. You can definitely taste it. But is it caramel or caramel? Uh, well, I'm from New York, so it's caramel. <laughs> it's definitely not caramel. What do you got, Paul? Paul, we're what do you say, caramel Midwest, or caramel? We're both mis- Midwest kids, so is it caramel or caramel? Caramel just sounds fancy. It's like to me, caramel is like a fancy caramel. I'm not a fancy guy. I'm just a humble whiskey maker. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a dorky suburban dad with three yep. kids. Like, I'm not fancy. <laughs> you make it a good product. This is actually really delicious. It's like, I haven't had the 100 proof. I've had your regular, I've had the regular, and I have had, um, am I wrong? Did you not have gin? No, you he had, has a beautiful yeah. gin, gin right? which I shamelessly scolded him for not sending me. They have an Earl Grey gin. Yeah, I've had that. And I have not had that. And but I was how like, long, you've had that product for gin. A, yeah, you've had that product for a long time. Like the Earl Grey, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, we started making it probably six years ago, seven years ago. Um, we recently brought it back out of distribution. You took it out or you put it back in? We took it out. It's currently only available in Illinois. Got it. So we're fundamentally, yeah, we're a whiskey company. It's what we're best known for. Well, I mean, there is lots of things that you're best known for, but I don't know when you want to like say this part. Because uh, yeah. like, I have a sales rep that's like all about it right here in DC. <laughs> um, you're, you're, all I have to say is people on the ground right now that are pushing few in our area is crazy. So I love it. So what she's hinting about at Decent. listeners is that um, so few recently sold uh, to um, Heaven Hill, which is a big, big deal. So, yeah, they have a humongous sales force and like it's been like everywhere. So like that's what I'm saying. I'm like, don't you have a gin? Because I feel like that gin is sitting on my bar <laughs> right now in D.C. And I'm like, and now I'm like, am I crazy? Well, you are crazy. I don't know that that that's a qualifier. I mean, I don't know every single thing that every bar manager (laughs) buys for every location at every given moment. I just know at the end of the month, like, how much we have in inventory and, like, what we've been doing, right? Yeah. So, and then then I come back and I go, buy this. And then they're like, well, where do I get it? And I'm like, well, now it's with Southern, so it's super fucking easy to get. Is that, would that be a Heaven Hill? Is that how they do it? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, though. Like, I feel like, how old is your brand total? How many years? So we will celebrate our 11th birthday in about two weeks. So we're not quite 11, but by the time this airs, we probably will be. So amazing. So good. I can't. So why the name Few? I mean, so, you know, I suppose now there's a lot of people that joke that we should be called many now. But, you know, we're still just few. As big as we are in the craft spirits world, we're still nothing in the real market. 
you know, the large, the large distilleries are just so much bigger than we are that yes, we're on, you know, we've got some scope and some size, but we're nothing compared to the big boys and that's okay. We don't need to, we're just, yeah, we got their attention. That's for sure. Yeah. You take a, you take like a point percentage out of the market and they're like, well, we'll just buy you. Thank you. What does that mean when you sell your brand? What is that? Can you talk about like that to our listeners? Like, yeah, what I mean, do you do I, now? What does it mean? Oh, what do I do? Oh, uh, I could do what I do. Like I focus on what I'm best at, you know, making new products, talking to people about what I'm excited about. Uh, um, it really frees me up to do the stuff that I like to do and avoid the stuff that I don't. <laughs> uh, I'm not a great salesman. I'm not a great marketer. I'm not a great financier. Um, I'm a terrible manager. Um, like I'm not good at a lot of stuff, but what I am good at is making whiskey and selling the brand allows me to really focus on the stuff that I'm good at and let people who are better at the stuff that I am, that I'm not do that. And they let me do what I do. I let them do what they do. And everybody wins because it gives us the opportunity to share this whiskey with a lot more people. Oh, I, I would agree with that for sure. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about is being that part of, you know, being a part of people's lives that, you know, we're there when you're celebrating with your friends and we're there when you're commiserating with your friends and when good stuff happens, there's few. And when bad stuff, unfortunately happened, there's few. And, you know, we bring friends and family together. It's a magical thing. And like, I think we're all in this beverage alcohol business and I think it's really magical because we all get to do that, right? Like we get to do this stuff that people love and people want to do podcasts about and people want to talk to their friends about. And I, that's, I, I think it's easy to lose track of the fact that that's really cool that we do this stuff that people love and you know, I used to use the line that we're not selling, uh, you know, we're not out here selling caskets all the time. <laughs> and then I used that line on a casket salesman. And he's like, that's really funny, but you should see our margins. <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. Touche. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So you get to make the money, but I bring people together. And I'd rather, you know, I'd rather bring people together than make money. You know, if I wanted to make money, I wouldn't make whiskey. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you wouldn't start a podcast either. Yeah. Speaking of. Terrible way of making money. Trip? Yeah. It's, it's a trip or a trick or what time is it? Yes, it is a tip and trick time. All right, let's do it. Spent fruit. Fruit that's gone bad. Rotten fruit. Turned fruit. Fruit that you wouldn't take a big bite out of, right? Well, this, my friends, is what the gold is. You know, that ugly, oh my gosh, it's got a brown spot on it. I'm not sure if I can eat it, is literally what you want to be using when you're making your cocktails. So I'm going to show you why, right? Now let's look at this. You're like, oh, I can't, I can't have that in my life. I can't use that. I can, because it's going to be the sweetest, juiciest version of what the fruit's going to be in general. And all you're going to have to do is, because it's so soft, is either use your fingertips or you can just give it a little muddle. And you get all of this wonderful, pulpy deliciousness with little, little effort. And I find that to be what's so wonderful about um, stone fruit and different fruit that you've kind of let 
you know, turn of it, right? Do I think that you should eat it moldy? No. Do I, have I eaten it moldy? Yes. Have I served it to you moldy? No. If you said it was okay, I might. It has a different flavor too, but that's a whole different episode. Anyway, we're gonna take these beautiful pine berries and just, you know, give it a little squeeze, right? And you're like, oh, what's that little love tap? Like, it's just beautiful. Look at this liquid. It's just like stunning and gorgeous. So what we're gonna do and what we learn on this tip is keep all that fruit, keep all that turned rotten fruit and use it in your drinks. Blueberry is one of my favorite, favorite fruits. And it lends itself so nicely when you like make a garnish out of it or you can use it in um, making a shrub or a syrup or something like that. Or it's kind of amazing how versatile that fruit is. And most people just assume it's like, put it on top of your oatmeal or it's gonna be pancakes or, you know, or, or a muffin. Or it's a dog snack because it's a superfood for dogs. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go home and feed Ralphie some um, blueberries. There's your tip and trick from mm. Louise. Mm. Put that, we should put that on. Um, <laughs> Designated drinker dot show for our tips, tricks, and how tos. Yeah, I think they're, I don't think they're going there for dog snacks, but they I might think be. that's great. You never know. They might be. Yeah, because you're never drinking alone if as long as your dog's with you. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, you can watch um, the tip and trick in real, um, not in real time, on Gram Time <laughs> on Instagram at Designated Drinker. Or on the website at designateddrinker.show, either one. And then to get to either of those places, we'll have hot links right in our episode notes. So just scroll on your phone and you'll get right there. Um, and we're also going to make sure that there's live links there um, to make sure that you can get to Few Spirits, which you can actually have delivered to your door. Through Grizzly? What's it through? No, through their own. Yeah, Grizzly. He just said yes. No, yeah, but through their own as well, too. Oh, so, okay. you get direct to consumer? Yeah, it's uh, buyfewspirits.com. It'll show up right on your door in about three, four days. Super easy. That's amazing. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, All right. So um, this does bring us to the end of part one with Paul. Um, But don't worry. Don't worry. We have a few more few spirits we're going to talk about. Um, And Gina's going to... um, Show us an amazing tip, or no, she's gonna teach us how to make an amazing cocktail using uh, some uh, one of uh, Paul's delicious spirits we have yes, here. Yes, and the little birdie told me that he likes this particular drink, so we'll, we'll get to that. All right, awesome. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.